Well, we're just really pleased. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, today, we have Wes Anderson here, not not the director, the pollster uh, from On Message. And Wes uh, has done a lot of polling across the country for many decades. And Wes, is it accurate to say that uh, you have a particular expertise in polling on education issues? It, it is. It is. Uh, we were trying to figure out the first um, education reform survey I took, uh, and it was it was twenty about twenty seven years ago. Is that right? You don't look that old. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, but uh, uh, yeah, been, I have uh, been a part of multiple education reform efforts. Uh, uh, many of them uh, centered around parental choice. I'll use the big term choice, right. parental choice. All you know, open enrollment to to uh, full blown voucher and everything in between. Yeah. So when we talk about choice today, I think what we're going to talk about is private school vouchers. Um, we're going to, we're going to use it, the, the word in that context and 27 years, Wes, I mean, that's almost, that's almost perfect for our purposes today because we're here in Wisconsin and Wes has done a lot of polling for school choice, Wisconsin. And let me just say that, uh, our friends at school choice, Wisconsin, whom I admire greatly and with whom we are very like-minded Wes has been doing polling for school choice, Wisconsin for many years, a, a couple decades, Wes, a couple decades, about 20 okay. years. Yeah. And the reason that, uh, you know, 27 uh, is, is a good number is that's almost as long as we've had, not quite as long as we've had school choice in Wisconsin. I mean, I think we've had, we've had school choice in, in Milwaukee, I think since 1990, Wes, if I'm accurate. There are actually three school choice for, for folks who folks who are just kind of tuning in again to this issue, because now's the time to tune in. There are actually three parental choice programs very briefly in Wisconsin. So the one in Milwaukee was the first one. And, and of course that started in 1990 and it started out, I just looked this up today, seven schools, 341 kids, 22, or I should say, I should say 30, 30, 32 years ago now. And so it started out very small uh, within the last dozen years or so, there have been an additional two new parental choice programs in the state. There's one in Racine, and then there's the Wisconsin or what I call the statewide program. So, uh, so these programs have, have just grown greatly. I, I exponentially, maybe the mathematicians will quibble with me, but we now have 47,000 over 47,000 students who are part of one of the three choice programs in the state of Wisconsin. There are 465 schools. There are a few differences depending on which program you are in. Um, the funding is the same. It, it does depend which level of school you are in, but the funding is, is you know, 8,000 some odd dollars, depending on whether you're in an elementary school or a high school. And in some areas of the state, it, it, there are no caps on the enrollment on the number of kids. And in some, in other areas of the state, there are. So, um, you know, one of, one of the things, frankly, that would be nice in this state is if the the rules, I guess, and the eligibility, the opportunity were the same everywhere. Uh, but right now, that's that's not quite the case. But bottom line, uh, you know, the voucher programs have just have grown greatly over 32 years. And so Wes has been for School Choice Wisconsin, I assume, maybe almost exclusively in Wisconsin, been keeping track of of public, I guess, acceptance or or opposition to school choice and some other related issues. And can I just ask you a big picture question, Wes? I mean, what has happened over time, over, over, over these 32 years well, or 27 uh, years that you've been doing it? 
Yes. yes. Uh, well, thanks, Mike. Um, uh, it's been fantastic. And uh, what has happened is uh, exponential is the right, uh, the right, actually, the technical term is correct, and that we have seen um, um, support and acceptance of, uh, of a voucher system uh, over that time grow. And it has grown slowly, slowly, but that, but, but sort of you get that doubling effect and the curve starts climbing. Um, there was an event uh, in the last three years that really accelerated things dramatically, and that was, of course, the, uh, the pandemic, um, which <laughs> opened a whole new sort of window for parents across the country, but in particularly Wisconsin, um, and, and, and started, and, and actually it has uh, elsewhere uh, sparked uh, a lot of interest in, all, all, you know, in, in a voucher system in other states. Uh, and in all things uh, education reform in other states. The same is true in Wisconsin. So um, I would not say that singular event is, is the reason that the that school choice enjoys its support in Wisconsin right now. No, it's been 30 years of hard work by, by advocates, uh, but it, it's, it's, it's not growing in a steady, solid linear. It's more of an exponential fashion. So it's really sort of hitting critical mass now. Uh, where you have a solid majority of voters in the state who say, yeah, this is a good thing. We should not only continue it, but expand it. Um, and you mentioned, Mike, you know, the three different programs and all the various uh, uh, pieces of it. That part of the ongoing fight is, um, is, is getting to a spot where it's uh, a, lot, a lot simpler and, and uniform and the complexity that's in the system uh, most of those are roadblocks by the education establishment. That's it's just the way, there's no other term to put to it. Um, when they realize they're going to lose and that uh, choice is going to expand, they start saying, well, let's see how complicated we can make it. And, uh, and so I, I believe uh, with uh, acceptance growing over time and the number of students continuing to grow who are actually participating in the program, the demand among parents to start to make this more uniform and get rid of some of the unnecessary uh, roadblocks uh, will just increase. So there's been steady sort of incremental increases in support over the last 30 years as people become more familiar, I've heard you say, with the programs. But now there's been sort of this accelerant, I guess, where parents have become much more aware of what's happening in their schools and much more interested in opportunities. So what you did is, and uh, I think this was back in February, you did a survey, uh, Wes, of 700 likely voters, and the margin of error was uh, under 4%. So this is, um, this is, this is a big this is a pretty big survey. I mean, this isn't, this isn't 300, this is 700 pretty low margins of error. And this is all in Wisconsin, right? It is. It is throughout, throughout the entire state. So I just want to zip through this because I think these numbers are actually pretty incredible. Uh, there's a, there's a general question just about support for school choice. And I'm just going to give you the numbers and see how this compares, uh, uh, test your memory historically. We've got uh, either somewhat favorable or very favorable. Uh, this is the entire sample, uh, 46%, so not quite a majority. However, you know, you look at the somewhat uh, unfavorable or very unfavorable, only 23%, right? So, so uh, large, large, uh, large difference in uh, support versus uh, versus opposition there, with still a, still a group in the middle that's maybe a little smaller than it used to be in the past of folks who uh, either don't know about it or are not supportive. Is that am I encapsulizing that accurately? The folks in the middle are uh, 
almost exclusively uh, people say, I just don't know about, I don't know enough about the program. And they tend to be um, uh, in, fall into two uh, uh, demographic categories. They're um, geographically in places where uh, choice doesn't have much reach at, at the moment. Um, and also uh, they are demographically at both ends of the age spectrum. Uh, they're voters uh, who are either say under 35 or over 65. Uh, well, what do those two age cohorts have in common? They don't have kids in school, right? Exactly. Uh, exactly. Now, but they fall into the middle, which is, I don't know. Uh, and it is not opposition. It's not opposition. The hardcore opposition has shrunk over the last 20 years in Wisconsin significantly. And, and here's the deal. Uh, I, I don't think this is actually good, but it is what it is. Um, the hardcore opposition has retreated back into base uh, Democrat uh, voters. I mean, it's you know primary uh, Democrat uh, uh, voters. Um, and no, I don't think the polarization by part along party lines is good. But that is that is what has happened as opposition across the state continues to shrink. The folks who are left in hardcore opposition tend to be. Uh, Demo uh, primary voting Democrats. Yeah, we're going to try to do this in 30 minutes. Um, so, I mean, some of the politics maybe can wait for another day, but it's not as much of a political issue, I think, in the country as it used to be, right? I mean, you can't just no, make this, you can't just make an assumption based on, hey, you're a Democrat, you're an independent, you're a Republican anymore, whether you support uh, private school vouchers. Is that is that a fair comment? That, that is that is a fair comment, and that's really, I think, um, the the accelerant that uh, that the COVID pandemic. Um, you know, was to the whole, to all the whole, the whole genre of education reform. Uh, it, it knows no party, uh, and and it was simply two solid years of voters uh, having to, had no choice but to, to much more closely interface with their kids' education, and saying, okay, we need options. Um, I'm not saying I hate my public schools. I'm just saying we need options. I don't think everything's working here. But, you know, we are a purple state, so we do talk politics, you know, so we're so we're a we're a public policy group, a, a think tank. We 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 try to be cognizant of, of politics, but do but do policy. But but, hey, we have we have to be aware of what's going on politically. And and it, it is interesting. I mean, there are differences. You know, I mean, you have, you know, 63 uh, percent, you know, solidly, you know, favorable among Republicans independents. I mean, it's it's 41 but only 26 unfavorable. And we're a purple state, right, Wesley? You know better than I do. I mean, so in the independent group, like that, that's pretty darn important. I mean, you have no, not quite twice as many people who are favorable as unfavorable in the independent group. That, that's pretty significant, isn't it? That, that's the whole deal. You know, um, we, we have sort of two definitions we look for for targeting. Um, I'll just put my, you know, obviously I'm a political pollster. Um, uh, and one is we use the term swing voter, and the other we talk about independence, people who uh, do not align with either party. And uh, in the past, swing voters included, uh, always included a, a good chunk of, I will say, you know, soft Republicans and soft Democrats. Um, more and more, and Wisconsin is a classic example of this, uh, no, there's fewer and fewer of them, and they have become independents. <laughs> um, and so independents, uh, it, Every close election in Wisconsin, every statewide close election, and most of the, uh, the more local elections that are tight, come down to about you know somewhere between uh, four to six percent of the vote. Most of which are independents. 
I mean, so it's going to be interesting once we get through those primaries to see how people are, you know, smart politicians are appealing to the center, to the independents on these issues, because the polling, correct me if I'm wrong, says that uh, this is a pretty good issue for folks who are in favor, not just of choice, but of things like universal choice as well, if I've read the numbers correctly. That's that's absolutely true. They want universal choice. They, uh, they, uh, in fact, the more research we've done in recent years, they love the, the, you know, the, the, um, the, Number of voters who are embracing the concept of of uh, a voucher system just continue to grow again exponentially. Um, but underneath that, they are demanding that we keep it simple. You know, how do we keep this thing simple? Um, so, yeah, you had you you had a question, Wes, and uh, here I'll just read it. Uh, you know, uh, currently only low income families are eligible for school choice vouchers in the statewide program. Income restrictions. Uh, this is a, a a statement that people can either agree with or disagree with. Um, need to be dropped. So every Wisconsin family has the ability to send their children to a school that's best for them. And, and by the way, before I give you the numbers, so, you know, it, it, the, the eligibility does differ for, depending on the program. In some places, it's as low as I think 220%, if I got that right, of, uh, and that's in the statewide program of the poverty level. Some fo- folks might think that's a lot, but I mean, you look at the federal poverty measures and like there it's, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's pretty small, you know, yeah, so. yeah. So you still have a lot of you still have a lot of even lower middle class middle class people who just they, hey they can't afford to send their kid to a private school but they still they're still not eligible but anyway so the question in which I read was asked Wes asked it and uh, of the seven hundred people and sixty five percent agreed agreed with that that uh, that you know families families should have the ability to send their their children to a school that's best for them even if they're you know even if they're of a of a, of a little higher income level than has traditionally been allowed. That, yeah, that's pretty. That, that's pretty big number. It is. It is. And uh, there's a couple of things here. Um, every time, all over the country, whenever there's uh, a voucher program, uh, the one of the last lines of defense by the education establishment is let's let's throw in a means testing of some sort. Let's put an income cap on that. Um, it is one of the restrictions that you always get strong majority of voters saying, "Now that's that's silly." Um, and it's mostly because uh, you know uh, there is a huge chunk of middle class. You just think of the suburbs, the bigger suburb groups of suburbs in the state. Whether you're talking about Milwaukee or Green Bay, or it doesn't matter anywhere, uh, where you've got uh, families, two-income families who are solid middle class and you know doing okay. Well, in this inflation, we'll set aside the current inflation. Normally doing okay. Um, and, and, and then they get told that they are, uh, not eligible, uh, because they make too much money and, you know, it, it does not, that does not sit well with a big chunk of, of, uh, suburban voters. And I, it's not just the suburbs, but a big chunk of middle-class voters in the state who say, you gotta be kidding me. I'm not, I make too much money. I can't send my kids to private school, you know, and it's those folks who private school education is just a little bit outside their grasp. Um, and who say this is this is totally unfair. Folks, I'm interrupting real quick to remind you that productions like these are only able to exist with support from individuals just like you. If you find value in this program, we're hoping you may want to give just a little bit of value back. The Badger Institute is a nonprofit organization that strives to create opportunity and protect liberty for all Wisconsinites. We do not accept government funding and rely solely on the generosity of individuals like yourself to support our policy and advocacy work. 
To learn more or make a donation, visit badgerinstitute.org. And how come that sentiment among those middle class folks has been amplified? You know, you asked about most important issues, Wes, in, in Wisconsin. And th- this stuff, this stuff is really interesting. And, and you know, some of these are, are traditional important, important issues for folks. They're, they're you know, most important issues facing schools, um, you know, uh, 34%, you know, teacher pay and overall funding for our public schools. You know, people still value their public schools, right? But then there's also all these other, uh, these other issues you know, focusing on teaching the basics, right? Um, ensuring parents have a greater say and influence over what their children learn in school. Focusing on reducing crime, a big one, a really big one in Milwaukee, um, in our schools, a subject for another day, and improving overall student safety, and then ending um, COVID-era policies that limit student engagement. I mean, I could go through all those numbers, but, you know, um, those are those are all pretty big numbers. I mean, just focusing on teaching the basics, twenty four percent. That's that's most important to them. Ensuring parents have a greater say and influence over what their children are in school. That's thirteen percent. Another twelve focused on reducing crime. So all those things add up. But there's this whole plethora, I guess, of of concerns that parents have, and parents want want you want power over, right? What's best for their kids? Um, did 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 you did you ask these types of questions prior to the prior to the pandemic? Do you, do you have a a, yeah, a base to compare that to? I, I absolutely do. And um, what has changed over time, and the pandemic, again, was an accelerant on this, what's changed over time in Wisconsin uh, is true of a lot of places. Um, the, uh, the, the, the percentage of voters who, who immediately go to money and say, well, my biggest concern is funding, uh, whether it's teacher pay or overall funding, um, that has shrunk dramatically. Now, it's not because everybody thinks that teachers are paid enough and there's enough money for everything you want in their school. And the answer to that is there's never going to be quite enough for what everybody would want in school. You know, they'd like their schools to fully fund absolutely everything. But uh, we just just 10 years ago in, the, in Wisconsin, we were routinely on that question getting 60% saying it's about funding. And that has consistently dropped um, and uh, I'm sure that if you had a teacher union representative on the on on this call, they would say, "Well, uh, that's that's unfortunate because they would produce a laundry list of things that they think needs more funding." But what we have found is that a pretty solid majority of voters in Wisconsin say our current problems are not money. Uh, money is not the principal issue here. Yes, we'd all like a little bit more money for this or that, but that's not what's driving the problem here. Um, and Yes, the, the concerns about COVID restrictions, those are fading, and hopefully they stay faded. Well, I'm not, I'm not a virologist. I don't know what happens with all that, but hopefully they continue to, to fade away. But in, in replace of that are all uh, performance questions. Uh, well, safety and performance. Are we keeping our kids safe? And are the, are, are the schools doing, are they up to, the, up to the job they should be doing? And there's a lot of uh, pride in Wisconsin about con- consistently having public schools that are ranked, you know, in the top 10 in the nation, sometimes the top five often. Um, And a general concern that, okay, maybe that's slipping. Maybe we're not getting what we thought we were getting. Maybe we need, uh, we need to readdress that. Uh, So it's performance issues. Are are we getting what we should for the money we're spending? 
Yeah, I mean, we only have half an hour, so I guess I'll kind of gloss over the pandemic stuff. Hopefully we're at the end of it, although like half of my family just got it in the last two weeks, you know, and but but we'll just gloss over that for now. I mean, there was a lot of consternation among parents who had a sort of a new window on their schools, given, you know, the, the closures in, in, in some schools, public, public, traditional public schools, frankly, at least in Milwaukee versus others. And I mean, you've got some really fascinating data that shows there really was consternation really among majorities of people who agreed that, you know, um, they held on to the COVID policies too long and the teachers, the unions demanded lockdowns um, that led to kids falling behind. Those are, those are, those are majority numbers, but, but to your point though, too, I mean, maybe it's even more simple than that. I mean, people just want their kids to have an opportunity to learn, right? I mean, is it, is it just yeah. as simple as that? Is it just the it old uh, reading, writing and arithmetic or um, am I oversimplifying things? No, no, no. You're, you're, and so this is um, uh, just to give your audience a little understanding here. I obviously, I, and maybe we didn't state this up front. I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a pollster. I'm a Republican pollster. I run and I, I pull for Republican campaigns all over the country. Um, and, and I'm a conservative. And as, as, as a conservative Republican, I have said repeatedly to folks on my side of the aisle that the awakening of parents during COVID uh, wasn't really ideological. It, it was less about the ideology, although that bothered them, and more about the idea that why aren't we succeeding at what schools are actually supposed to be doing? Why aren't we, how is it that we're failing on the, on the, on the basic core mission of our public schools so that to make sure our kids graduate proficient in reading uh can they can communicate through through the written word and they can do uh you know they and they're mathematically proficient at some level um how and so and then they looked and they saw what was going on and they said well, maybe it's because you spend all your time on whatever the latest indoctrination from the left is or whatever the latest theory is uh, why don't we stop that and get back to what actually works um and it was the, what has happened over the last two years is the awakening of, of, of parents. This is, this whole election cycle is sort of the election cycle of the parent who are saying, no, 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 we, we stop, stop with all that. I don't care what you believe. And I'm not even saying I'm for it or against it. I'm just saying we're paying you to do a, a specific job that you're not doing. Um, and that's really the heart of it. And so what they, in, in that context, uh, they are desperate for options, uh, and and uh, they say, well, if, if you're not going to succeed at that, give me an option uh, uh, to go elsewhere and look for it. And so, and so, one of those options is again just to drill down a little bit further on the on the school choice program. And so we're talking to, and we're talking about private school vouchers here when we talk about choice, right, Wes? So one of the one of the questions to drill down a little is, do you generally favor or oppose Wisconsin school choice program? And it was fifty six you know, favorable versus 26, um, uh, oppose. And, um, that's just a little bit more specific than the numbers we talked about earlier, but that's, you know, given the history, that's, those, those kind of amazing numbers. Yeah. Uh, 10 years ago, the same question, we call that the uninformed. Do you generally favor or oppose Wisconsin school choice program in the end of sentence? No other information added. That's the uninformed question. Um, and 10 years ago, we were consistently 45, wow. Uh, or 40, 40, uh, somewhere in there with a chunk on the sideline saying, I don't know. Um, this is a significant shift. And then the informed number, I, don't, I won't read through the whole thing, but when you tell people a little bit more about the reality of, yeah. of, of choice, that number goes up actually to 62%. And the split is like 62 favorable, 32 unfavorable. That's, that's, that's the best news uh, because in the past, we, oftentimes when we do the informed, 
Uh, and just for for your listeners, we the informed. That's where you get into the argument. We try to do a very unbiased uh, informed. This is what the program does: A, B, and C. Um, I'm sure that people who oppose it would say, "Well, I think you biased it because you didn't say whatever." But we try to do it as unbiased as possible. In the past, the informed has either it, it's usually done almost identical to the uninformed. Now, when you say, "Here's what it does." We jump up to 62. Uh, big, why? Because they're looking for that. Because there is a big marketplace for it. So there's a big chunk of, of voters say, I need that. Does this tie, a, in a way, into your initial observation, which is that familiarity breeds approval, if not enthusiasm. Now, I, I guess, hey, you're just informing them. These are people who didn't know a minute ago and we're telling them something. But the bigger picture is that folks who have had exposure to it, who know these things over time, become much more comfortable with or supportive of that's the that's the big picture here well and the oldest uh, uh continually existing voucher program in the country is milwaukee and if you just look at the city of milwaukee and you look at parents today um the concerns of of you know three decades ago when it started about uh, of milwaukee parents they don't exist today uh they know it works they, they know the system works and they're comfortable with it and um, so we know that any time that uh, voters are exposed to uh, school choice and whether they participate in it or not, but whether it's where it's available to them, um, the support for the system just grows. It grows significantly. That's true everywhere. Yep. So here at the Badger Institute, we've been involved in this issue for about 30 years. We used to be the Wisconsin Policy Research Institute, and we stepped away from it for, for, for a little while uh, when we didn't think that there was um, – the walks call it an Overton window. That that's that's what the policy walks call it. We didn't we didn't we didn't think there was a real opportunity for change. But um, but what we believe here is that we should have parity in funding. I talked a little bit earlier about hey that the the funding levels for schools and they, they do they do vary depending on which level you're in. But it's it's between eight and nine thousand dollars for 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 choice. And then, you know, public charter schools, which are public, but aren't your traditional union dominated schools. That's the way I think of it. That's a little bit more. And then, of course, your traditional public schools are quite a bit are quite a bit more. And so what we think, what we believe is that there should be parity, that that everybody should have the same opportunity. We also believe that there that there should be a lot more people who are eligible to use these programs. That's what parents want. They want to use their tax dollars this way. And we also believe that, as Wes indicated um, that, that, you know, we believe these should, these should be simple, as simple as possible, right. In terms of lack of regulation and, and accessibility. So, you know, we've looked at the data over many years on everything from academics to safety and boy, the safety thing, Wes, I hope we can talk about that another day because given yeah. boy, you know, given what just happened in Texas, what's happening in so many places in this country, given the lack of the lack of, of, of police officers in schools in Milwaukee. I just think, boy, parents want that safety. They want academics. They want safety. So those are our biases. And I, I want to be, be forthright with that. They're biases that are formed over many years and that, that we hope we can be successful in, in changing policy and opening opportunity here in, in Wisconsin, you know, over the next, you know, over the next year or so. But we only have a couple of minutes left, Wes. Um, can you just give me your take on what we haven't talked about, what you think is important, and just your perspective on how things have evolved and maybe maybe where where we're going, and then we'll we'll end it there. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, Mike. Um, I would say there's a couple things here. First, um, 
we are, have a window that has opened up, uh, and it's opened up uh, in particular in Wisconsin, but in a lot of places where uh, uh, voters, particularly parents, have decided that um, it's time to explore options. It's time that the system as it currently uh, works uh, is not working. It's not, it's not achieving uh, its, its primary mission. Um, and, and the same voters aren't interested in just, you know, wiping away the public school system, but they're saying, you've got to give us other options. You have to. How long will that window open, stay open? Well, I think the education establishment is hoping that it fades quickly with, with COVID. It's not fading. Uh, that's, that's good news for us, the bad news for them. Um, I, I think then we have to get into the trenches and do the hard work on some of the, the fights, you know, the, the funding uh, disparity. They, they, there's no support for that, uh, uh, generally speaking, among the public. It is the last-ditch effort of the education establishment to hold on to power. They're trying to price private schools out of it. They want to get that number low enough that your average private school says, ooh, we can't quite, I can't take a student at that number. Um, and, you know, when you tell, when you tell voters you're, in your school district, your, your high school's uh, are spending twelve to fourteen thousand dollars a student a year, but the voucher says you're going to be stuck around seven. They say that's crazy. Of course, that's nuts. That doesn't. There's no rational reason for that. Um, yeah, Wes, we got about a minute left. Um, you've done polling all over the country, including in Virginia. Another subject for another day. Fascinating. What happened uh, in Virginia? Are the politicians listening to these numbers? Are they listening to you? Do they you know, know? Well, I will tell. I'll say this. Um, uh, increasingly, yes, um, the uh, folks on the other side who are the politicians who are very supportive of the uh, education establishment or who are very holding to the, to the teachers unions nationally, uh, they have taken note because the teachers unions are, are sounding the alarm on that side. Um, and they are trying to figure out how to message their way out of it. So far, they, they're struggling, they failed. I would say on the side that uh, is more open to uh, school choice, to vouchers, to all forms of uh, education reform, um, there is less, uh, there's, there's less um, urgency. There needs to be urgency. So I wouldn't say they're all listening, but increasingly there are, there are folks who are listening. And the reason I'll tell you to finish with is I can't tell you how many clients I've had, uh, Republican candidates all over the country who have over the last year told me, the in town hall meetings and various local meetings, how many brand new faces they've never seen before, um, who stood up and had real interesting and 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 forceful questions about education reform, and they were all just parents who have never been involved in politics before, ever, and don't really want to consider themselves political, but have jumped in with both feet. Um, and and I can't tell you how many congressional candidates. Senate, gubernatorial candidates, local candidates tell me, who are these people? All of a sudden, these parents start showing up at my meetings. I'm like, well, get used to it. Uh, Wes, thank you. It. Wes, thank you so much for your time. I mean, your, your polling is just uh, fascinating, and there's so many facets to it and ways to parse it that are so interesting to the political wonks and the policy wonks that we just don't have time for. But in a way, it's, it's kind of simple. I mean, parents know what's best for their kids, and we're seeing that in the polling numbers. They want to make sure they have a voice. They want to make sure their kids have academic opportunity. They want to make sure their kids are safe. <laughs> That's it. You got it. And the polling reflects that, and, and I hope the politicians listen. Thanks so much for being with us. I uh, really appreciate it. I hope I get, a, I get a chance to talk to you again, Wes. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk again. We'll, right. we'll, let's, let's get it scheduled. 
appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Right, thank you.